Welcome to another story podcast from the Raven Narratives. I'm Sarah Severson. And I am Tom Yoder. We are the co-producers of the Raven Narratives. The story you're about to hear was told by James Ayers at our live storytelling event at the end of March, when the theme was Second Chances. James is a visual artist and performer who currently roams the halls of Mancus High School. He's mildly adequate at track, and rumor has it he starred in the Star Wars series as Kylo Ren. He's also the first 16-year-old to perform in the adult Raven Narratives events. Here's James' story. All my life, I've suffered from a serious hereditary disease called imagination. Imagination is a very common ailment in most children. It generally fades away during the pubation, menstruation, incubation period, <laughs> otherwise known as puberty. But not for me. No, uh, I've had to deal with imagination every year of my life, and it's only gotten worse. And you may be thinking, imagination, how could that get worse? What's bad about imagination? And there are good sides to it. Like, for most children, it allows them to perceive the world in a different way, look at things with more creativity, and maybe problem-solve better. But with that comes a lot of bad, and it can actually be quite terrifying. I'm going to tell you about the bad and the good of having an imagination like mine. So let's start with the good. Growing up, I, uh, I used imagination for everything. I relied on imagination to keep me busy pretty much every second of my life. Um, I would imagine Sonic the Hedgehog running next to my mom's car on the highway and then going, A and running down. <laughs> I would also imagine my ability to pick up things with the force, not knowing I would look like Kylo Ren in my future. <laughs> um, but that didn't last my entire life. At about the age of 13, my imagination began to absorb more than just Sonic the Hedgehog, Star Wars, and Pokemon. It found out what a horror movie was. It found out what a creepypasta was, which was basically just a horror story with the word creepypasta slapped onto it, and it makes it a little bit more popular. But they were everywhere on the internet, and they were really were everywhere. Like, you could not go on a YouTube video that had anything to do with scary things and not find one. So it became very easy for me as a kid to discover some pretty scary stuff. These things replaced Sonic. These things replaced my powers, and I became powerless and scared. One specific creature uh, or creepypasta that stuck out uh, was a character called the Slender Man. A video game turned urban legend, the Slender Man is a tall, faceless being with broad shoulders and long arms that fall down to the ground. He wears a suit and tie and generally has tentacles. His whole shtick is that he takes children into some sort of woods somewhere and does horrible things to them. Being as I was 13, 
I was still debating on whether or not I was a kid. Um, but I was pretty sure that he was real either way. So I began to become a little bit addicted to his character. I did as much research as I could. I read every single story, every single gameplay video. I was absorbed. And he really did replace a lot of my imagination. He gave me night terrors and I would go to my mom's room shaking half nights and not be able to stop. I'd just lie on the floor on a sleeping bag shaking. But at a certain point I decided I had enough. <laughs> I figured that there must be some way to defend myself and like make him go away. So I, I started doing research and I found out that if you have a camera, a flashlight, some food just in case he did get you, and a weapon, then you should be able to survive his attacks. So I got right on it. I asked my dad, first thing next Christmas, get me a camcorder. I told him I liked to film, and that was partially true, but it was mostly so that I could capture the Slenderman and expose him to the world. So my dad got me a $60 Chinese camcorder. The best thing on the planet. I loved it. I didn't I barely put it down. I was always looking around. I would go outside. It made me feel very safe. Felt like I could catch him. And then for the flashlights, uh, I had a plethora. I had about five or six in one backpack. Um, my idea was that if I had if one ran out of battery, I didn't have time to unscrew the bottom and put a new battery and I would die. So I would just throw it away and grab a new one. I never ended up using more than one, but they were very helpful. And then came the snacks, just in case he took you away and you had to survive. Um, my friend Logan had somehow got his hands on a first edition, uh, not first edition, but like a test box of cliff bars. They were nut butter cliff bars. And they were delicious and no one else had them. So I felt very special. So I had like 40 of these nut bars and I would just grab a handful and put in my backpack whenever I left. So and they were very full of nutrients. So if I was like in like Antarctica, I would definitely survive. Um, and then came the weapon. Yeah, I bought two giant hunting knives off Amazon. Uh, they're about this, about that big. Um, it was a two-pack for about $10. So I thought that they were like made of like titanium and like indestructible, but if I actually got in like a real fight, I probably probably would dissolve if I actually hit them against something. But um, they were pretty badass. And uh, I had them in my backpack at all times. I would sometimes take them out and play with them. But either way, I had this backpack that was ready to go whenever I left. And it was really just to make me feel safer. And it did. One of the most memorable times that I ever needed to use this bag was on my way to a summer job at a bakery called Martha's Eats and Treats. On the way to Martha's Eats and Treats, uh, the last kind of level or checkpoint 
kind of final boss that you have to get through to get to Martha's Eats and Treats was this giant stretch of paved woodland area. And I had to bike there every time because, you know, my parents never gave me rides. Um, and I was 13, so 14 at that time maybe. But um, this long path leading to Martha's Decent Treats was a nightmare, a daytime nightmare. And no matter what I did to try to psych myself out of it, every time I approached those woods, my heartbeat would just explode. The woods were very tall. The trees were irregularly tall for the area. And the, the leaves were so thick that you could barely see sunlight coming through, but somehow it was bright. The, it's paved, so I could go pretty fast on it. But no matter how fast I went, I never thought I was going fast enough. The whole time I'm on this path, I'm kind of just tapping with my right hand as I bike as fast as I can, my backpack to make sure everything's in it. Or even to make sure that it's even there, because he could just take it away at any point. You know, he could just, it could just go away. <laughs> I became so paranoid on this trip that when I got back to Martha's Eats and Treats, my heart was done. I was so exhausted, I could barely work. But after Martha's Eats and Treats, and after I learned how to find other ways than just in my backpack, I found the ability to really understand what it was that made Slender Man Slender Man. I stopped seeing him on street corners. I stopped fearing about him being behind me whenever I was playing video games or something. And I learned how to translate that into everything that I do creatively. I learned that my imagination is just as important when I'm afraid as it is when I'm, say, writing a paper or drawing a picture. And I learned that I want to translate my fear into something that I can enjoy. Thanks, James, for telling that story. To hear more stories like this one, subscribe to the Raven Narratives podcast on iTunes, on SoundCloud, or Stitcher, where you can also leave comments and share these stories with your friends. And to find out what the themes will be at upcoming events and to pitch your story for a future Raven Narratives live storytelling event, go to our website at ravennarratives.org, check out the events page, and then fill out the form on the contact page to pitch your story. The Raven Narratives also offers group and one-on-one storytelling services to support organizations and businesses. More on those services is also on our website. You can also see a photo gallery of our storytellers there, taken by the incredible McCarson Lee of Red Scarf Shots Photography. Find out more about her photography services for shooting your portraits or special events at redscarfshots.com. Our theme music was written, composed, and performed by Jazar. And you can find out more about his music on SoundCloud or at freemusicarchive.org.
Now for the outtake. Gandalf, Gandalf, Gandalf. Gandalf Yoda. Gandalf Yoda. Gandalf Yoda. That's a bad vocal warm up. Yeah, totally. You should use all kinds of stuff going on there. All right, ready? Mm hmm. Welcome to another. Mmm, welcome. Mm-hmm. Episode, another episode welcome. Yoda, I am. Mm. <laughs> Do you think that's too much? Do you think that's out of character? It's a little over the top. Okay. Just a little. Just dial it back <laughs> one notch. Okay. Just asking for one notch. Okay, all right. Okay. okay.